Well, let's, um, let's stand and we'll read from Romans 13 once more. Romans number 13, or chapter 13, verse number 8. Oh, I'm sorry, Romans 13 and verse number 8. Yep, the, the 13th chapter of Romans... Yeah. Romans 13, verse number 8. Yep. We have been there for a while. <laughs> All right. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You probably could all quote that without turning over there for the most part. First Corinthians 13 verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity which in your version that may define itself as love. I like the word charity. I'll tell you in a minute why, but um, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and this is the part that I wanted to get to, right? And we're talking about love working no ill towards his neighbor. Well, what does love do? How does love work? What does love look like? Well, in the basis sort of circumstances and uh, situations that we may find ourselves in, we see here that, well, let me just back up before I read that, or, or as I read this, I'll back up some as we go. Charity suffereth long. So could someone do the things that are mentioned in the first three verses without suffering long? Could someone do the things that are mentioned in the first three verses and not be kind? Could a person do what's mentioned in the first three verses and not be any of the things that are defined here as what charity or love is, it, it doesn't envy, it doesn't vaunt itself, it's not puffed up. Imagine a person giving themselves their body to be burned and being puffed up about it. Could happen, couldn't it? Yeah, could happen. Doth not be, behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, 
How about that person who did something to you and something happens to them and the thought enters your mind, thinking about things that are dangled before your thoughts. Boy, they got what was coming to them. That's not the way we ought to be thinking about that soul, is it? Um, Doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. How about verse number eight? It doesn't fail. But whether they be, there be prophecies, they'll fail. Tongues, they shall cease. Knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, prophesy in part, but when the perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. As far as that goes, I mean, those things that we're looking at there in regards to love, I mean, we all have to admit that we do those in part. Has our love ever failed? Yes. Anytime that we've spoken a cross word to somebody, you know, or thought, you know, wrong about somebody, um, or grumbled and complained about a situation, our love has, has failed. Um, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. And now abideth, and I can't read this, Brother JT, without thinking about Brother Paul. And more than likely, you know why every communication I've ever received from Paul Jordan has ended with this verse of Scripture. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Greatest of these is love, right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother JT, would you pray for us? Yes. Amen. You may be seated. 
So Brother JT mentioned in his prayer about some places that aren't able to meet. And, of course, there's physically that reality where people cannot meet because they dwell in such a place or in such a country where that's not a reality. Um, or maybe they don't have access to a place to meet. Then there are those people who meet together that they're not really meeting. They cannot meet even though they meet. Um, Teresa and I were walking into uh, Costco yesterday, and there was a lady walking towards us, and her T-shirt said, Atmosphere Church. I don't really know anything about Atmosphere Church, but I can imagine that that church is all about atmosphere. <laughs> it's all about whatever's up, you know, here playing in the lights that are going, you know. It may not be. maybe a reality. maybe a real, true, you know, church, but there's a lot of places it's all about the atmosphere. Um, they would be able to recognize the piano is missing a string. They'd be able to recognize that it's out of tune, and they'd say, well, that's not the right atmosphere for us. Uh, they might come into our midst and see that we're such a small group of people, and they want a large group of people that that's not the atmosphere for us. Uh, but what's the atmosphere that we're concerned about? It's Christ. Um, that is, that's the aroma you know, we want to change atmosphere for aroma and use, you know, a biblical concept. Um, you know, we're the aroma of, of life, uh, the Scripture says. We're the aroma of Christ. We are to be uh, the aroma of Christ. But to some, we are that. Uh, others, we're the aroma of death. Um, so, I mentioned this word charity um, that we read about here in First uh, Corinthians chapter 13. That's a great word for love. Um, when you think about how love works, how love is to work itself out. It's not to work any ill, but how love is to work itself out. And we read about some of that there, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 13. But you think about this word charity and how it speaks, you know, to the, to the person that's giving and to the person that's receiving uh, when we show love to one another, our our idea of showing that love is not necessarily to receive anything back. You know, when you think about charity, that's what charity is. I mean, you're giving to someone who is in such dire need. I mean, they have no way to repay you. You're not giving to 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 gain anything. You know, by the giving, it's simply charity, and I think that's a, a good word. Uh, when we think about this this word love, the idea of charity, um, and how that it's received, how much charity have we received? Now I know that there's probably not anyone here who's ever lived, you know, on the street, and had to hold out a cup or a hat um, and live off the charity of others. But how much charity have we received from God? How much charity have we received from God through our parents? How much charity have we received from God through our spouses? How much charity have we received, you know, from God through our our, our friends and family? Um, we've received much that when you think about charity, I kind of kind of lean on grace a little bit here because we don't deserve it. Um, it's it's really something that's not owed unto us. But it is something, according to our text, that we owe unto one another. That we owe unto souls that are outside of the church. We owe 
this love. But think about some of the things that are mentioned here. It's patient. It's kind. <clears throat> I mean, the attitude of people just in the grocery store. I mean, I don't, I don't know if, if you observe some of the same things that I do, but people want to be first. They're not patient. People will cut you off on the road. I remember in my driver's education class, Cohen, I know you're, have you finished it? You done? Yeah, you're done. Okay. Cohen just finished that. I remember in mine, I mean, we, I was going to public school and we had, you know, one of these big simulators where you'd go in and you actually sat behind, you know, a steering wheel. That was your desk, basically. And there was like 20 other people in there with you and they would play, you know, sort of a, a, a road, you know, going along there and, you know, you were supposed to be steering and it was grading you on everything, you know, brakes, blinkers, you know, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but one of the films that they showed us, they told us, they said, look, and some of the kids had sport cars, you know, sports cars in, in the classroom. They said, you're never going to get in front. And I've always thought about that um, because you're never going to be first. <laughs> you know, there's always going to be somebody up the road ahead of you, but there's a lot of people that drive like they're first. <laughs> they're going to come in the first place. <clears throat> but you think about this idea of being patient and kind. I was at the grocery store just this past week. I'd, I'd gone to inspect a roof. And as I was coming back, I stopped at the grocery store and I found one bag of Fritos. It's the only bag in the whole store. We live in a different world now. Used to, I could go into the store and there'd be 30 bags of Fritos. Now there's one. And I felt bad, you know, for taking it, but I saw the lady in front of me. She had one too, so... Um, you know, at least somebody else got one. It wasn't, didn't take the last one that day somebody was looking for. But, but um, as I'm standing in line, you, you think about the attitude of people today. I mean, everybody seems to be on edge, you know, and we're concealed carry, just waiting. You know, some people are just waiting for a situation to come up where they can pull that gun out and use it, you know, because they're just training all the time how to use that gun. Um, but you've got all sorts of attitudes, you know, out there. And patience is typically... Not one that's, that's um, there's a lot of to go around. But just think about kindness. I mean, there was a lady that was behind me, and she was looking at the things that I was buying, and so she made a comment about, oh, so you're buying junk food too. You know, because I had the Fritos and I had the bean dip. You remember bean dip? Aunt Nita used to eat that every once in a while. It's good stuff. Um, so I, I carried on conversation with her. I could have ignored her. You know, she was apparently looking for some sort of a response, some sort of a conversation. She wouldn't, it wasn't this thing that she said in anger. Um, but during the course of the conversation, Sister Betty and Brother JT came up. Because she, she saw, you know, I was married and all, you know, and so she was asking me about, she was concerned about, you know, me. She didn't even know me. I was a complete stranger to her. And I told her, I said, well, there's a couple in our church that I'm hoping that my wife and I, you know, will be able to, to make it to that place they've made it to. I said, if we do, I said, we've been married a little over 30 years. I said, we've still got 30 years to go. And that's something to think about. Uh, and they still like each other. They're still patient with each other. They're still kind with each other, you know. Um, but think about some of these things that, that love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love bears all things. Mm-hmm. 
Well, in, in that respect, as far as the length of, of years married, brother, you're ahead of us, and we're, we're coming along behind, you know. You're ahead of us. Um, but, you know, that's, that's a reality. I mean, you think about today. I mean, people, I read an article just yesterday, I think it was, where um, I was telling Teresa there's, there were two people that were celebrating their, a couple celebrating their 100th birthday together. And they'd been married for 79 years, was it? I think it was 79 years. You don't read about that much. You know, get, a, get us another 50 years down the road and see if we ever, you know, read about somebody, you know, that, that makes it, you know, that far. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, this is, has this been necessary in our marriage? Yes. Has it been necessary in JT and Betty's marriage? Yes. Absolutely. Love bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things, enduring all things. A love that doesn't fail. You know, that's, that's, that's the standard. You know, the standard is Christ. But here's, here's this working out of this thing of love that that's what it looks like when it interacts with, communicates with, uh, has dealings with uh, the world around us. Uh, that's that's for our part, and this is the part where it, where it's like my kids saying, "Well, I ask them to forgive me, but they wouldn't forgive me." I said, "Well, you did the thing that you you're supposed to do. You know, that's their part." I said, "You can pray for them. You know, um, you know. I, I don't know that any of them have never forgiven each other, but there's been that little stint, you know, where they're still angry with each other. Um, that one of them is just like being a little more obstinate, you know, than the other one." Um, and that can happen to any of us, can it? It doesn't have to be my kids. It could be any of us. That can happen too. Um, but our part. Now, the world may not reciprocate. You know, but that's, that's not what this love is because that kind of love that does reciprocate, that's the kind of love that the Lord talked about that we're not like. You know, the world loves its own, you know, and, and, and they do reciprocate with one another. But... They're children of darkness, and we're children of light. And so there's going to be conflict, you know, there. Uh, we are to expect tribulation. We are to expect persecution. Talk about expectations, right? And if you're going to live godly in this world, then you're going to suffer what? Persecution. You're going to suffer persecution. You know, what, what mode or, you know, that may come in, it may just be being slighted by somebody at work, being excluded, um, you know, by certain people, you know, it, it, or it could be something as extreme as martyrdom, you know. Um, but think about this love and how this love conducts itself. You have our Lord upon the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You have Philip being stoned, you know, to death. And he's saying, lay not this sin, you know, to their charge. Um, so this, this is love. This is love. Now, that's not the love that we see depicted upon the television. The love that's depicted upon the television is that sappy sort of stuff. Um, you know, that, that's, it's really not this that we're looking at here. Um, it's mutual affection, you know, for one another. And it makes us feel good, maybe, because people are getting along with one another. Um, but it's not this type of love that we're talking about here. Uh, we're talking about spending ourselves for the sake of Christ 
and being spent for the sake of Christ. Um, whatever the cost, that we, would, that we would be that loving, that love, and that would be our desire and our prayers, that love would not fail. That that love which God has shed abroad in me would not fail for any person. Would not fail for my wife, certainly. Would not fail for my children. Would not fail from anyone in my family or my brethren. Uh, but it wouldn't fail towards the world. Uh, and those that God has set in my life and given me to be, you know, a, a witness before, a light before, so that they may see those good works and glorify, you know, our Father which is in heaven. So, you know, is our love patient? Is our love kind? Is, does our love bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things? Does our love fail? Now, we all can say that we have fallen short. Um, you know, there's, in, in, in most every respect, right? I mean, I don't think there's ever a sermon that I've preached, Brother JT, that I've thought I couldn't have done, you know, better than that. I couldn't have spent more time, you know, with that. I couldn't have known that subject matter more than what I did. Um, I couldn't have spent, you know, I mean, you think about spending time with just one verse of Scripture. Um, how much more could be, could be drawn, you know, in from other places in Scripture that would have given a better understanding and a better definition but then again we understand that it's not because of the person speaking we know it's the lord that can do that even with you know a minimal amount of preparation not that i'm saying that's that's what i desire to do each week you know um but go on to the sermon on the mount and and you think about you know cast a shadow of love upon those things that are mentioned there you know blessed are the poor in spirit you know, how does this love conduct itself? It's poor in spirit. You know, it's, it's another facet of, of this as we, as we turn, like I said this morning, you know, as we turn that, you know, gem a little bit, we see it from another place in Scripture. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. The, the world's not about meekness, that's for sure. Uh, they would consider that indeed to be weakness, wouldn't they? Um, but how much more strength does it take not to retaliate than it does to retaliate. I mean, when they retaliate, they're just giving in to their emotions. They're giving in to their anger. What we ought to be doing is giving in to our love, right? Instead of giving in to those emotions, which we have them, we have the flesh that we contend with, but we ought to be giving in to love. We ought to be pursuing love. Um, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, they shall be filled. I, 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 I hunger and thirst after it for myself. But you think about what Paul also, you know, in, in this regard, I, I, I desire it for you. You know, he's talking about Christ being formed in you. Uh, we hunger and thirst for righteousness. That Christ would be formed in us. My desire that Christ would be formed in you. And then you think about those who are outside of Christ, that Christ would be formed, you know, in them. Um, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, how about that? That's a loving thing to do, isn't it? To be a peacemaker? Um, not many people desire to be peacemakers. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, you think about the word peacemaker in the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's a matter of law enforcement using force to bring about peace. Um, but blessed are the peacemakers. Um, there's a force being brought to bear, isn't there, for us to be a peacemaker, isn't there? 
And it has to do with that thought of meekness. I mean, if I'm going to be a peacemaker, you know, those emotions are going to have to be brought in, you know, reined in. And love is going to have to be given free course um, to be able to be dis- on, on display, you know, before others in those situations. Blessed are those who are persecuted, which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's, that's loving, being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Rejoice, or blessed are you when men shall revile you. Um, for righteousness' sake, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. That's, that's pleasing to the Lord when we, when we take that. When, when we are ridiculed, when we are even maybe brought you know, to a court of law, you know, persecuted, you know, wrongly for righteousness' sake. Can you see that maybe developing in our country, that we could be persecuted for righteousness' sake, that you'd actually be brought before a tribunal, you know, because you did the thing that was right in the sight of God? Absolutely. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You're the salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. I've heard people say that about folks. You know, about somebody that was, you know, maybe he was just, you know, a good old boy. You know, he's a, he's a, a, a rancher or whatever. He's salt of the earth. They don't even, they, they, that doesn't mean what this means. You know, we are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, I don't know much about that. I don't know if anybody's investigated salt before, knows anything about salt losing its savor. Uh, most every time I shake the salt shaker and it comes out on my eggs, it tastes pretty salty, you know. Um, but if it didn't taste salty, what good would it be? You know, I mean, we'd be shaking something that had a little texture to it, had a little grit to it, felt like salt in the mouth but, and on the tongue, but it didn't have that flavor. didn't have that flavor. If the salt has lost its savor... You know, what good is, in other words, why salt anything, uh, you know, with it? It's not good for anything but to be cast out and trodden underfoot of men. You know, people used to be paid in salt, right? Man was worth his salt. That's where that came from. I mean, Roman soldiers were paid in salt. It was currency. You could spend it. Um, Are we spending the salt we've been given, you know? We're the salt of the earth. The light of the world, a city that's set on a hill that can't be hidden. You know, it, you know, we were talking about this a little bit, Donnie, weren't we? I mean, things are getting, things have always been dark, right? But same things seem to be getting a little bit darker every day. And as things get darker and darker, guess what? The light shines brighter and brighter. I mean, the light that shines, it can be seen from a long distance. Those who sat in great darkness, you know, or in darkness saw a great light, Right? Um, I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm further, we don't even have a security light anymore. And neither I can walk outside and see the stars, you know. I mean, I lived in Pasadena. I didn't see the stars really, um, you know, but in the city, you know, because there's street lights everywhere. But, but uh, you know, if you're out there in the woods like that and there's a light on inside the house, you can see it from a long ways away when it's dark. Well, neither do men put a light our men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, so that it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And here's this verse that I've been mentioning over and over again, right? 
let your good works or let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, you know, all of those blesseds as we look there and all of that that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13, the contrast that I would draw between where we are in Romans 13, 1 Corinthians 13 here, you know, and, and the, the Beatitudes, you know, is this. When you get over to Romans 13, those are things that you don't do. And some people think that's the loving thing is just you don't do certain things. But we see that love is an operation. It's a positive thing. It, it acts. It lets its light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is never. So it's not just a list of things you don't do, but it's a list of things that you also do. Um, love works. Love does something. Uh, it doesn't do these things, but it does do those things, right? So we see that. And as I said, as I was contemplating some of these things that we have within the text that are things that would be considered in the category of working ill you know, towards our neighbor that Paul mentions here as far as adultery and murder and theft and bearing false witness or lying and coveting. Um, as I mentioned, those are, are, are all things that, that, that within the space, I mean, you think about your life as a believer and, and here we're, we're, we're desiring to glorify God in all that we do. And we were talking about this morning the dangers, you know, of, of, of sin and how sin seeks to devour. I mean, it's never satisfied. And that one little thing can snowball and roll into so many other things that happen after it. You think about this list that's given here. As I mentioned, you know, all of these things happen in David's life within the space of a single chapter. I mean, a single chapter in Scripture, all of these things transpire. If you look over at Second Samuel chapter number 11, and maybe um, some of you have, have uh, already read from um, that that's, that's written there uh, earlier when we were mentioning uh, these things. Second Samuel chapter number 11 will we'll see in, in, in reading these things how that, that what we're looking at here in Romans 13, you know, it, 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 David wasn't expecting these things to happen. David didn't get up that, that afternoon and, and, and plan on the things that took place. Um, how we need to guard all of these entry points that, that, that sin has into our lives. We need to guard uh, against them gaining, you know, entry. Second Samuel 11 verse 1 says, It came to pass after the year was expired at the time. Here's the information we're given about David should have been somewhere else than where he was. At the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Reba. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now that's not just historical information. The Bible's telling us that David should have been somewhere else than where he was. Verse number two, likewise, it says that it came to pass at, at eventide that David arose from off his bed. It's not just useless facts. You know, this is instructive for us. 
and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a young woman washing herself. And what should he have done at that point? Turn away. Going back to bed would have been better than what happened next for sure. Um, Turn away. Some people don't have decency, do they? You would think modesty would have reigned in a day like that. But some people don't have decency. No doubt David's platform may have been a little bit higher and she might not have expected to be seen from such a place. But there are lots of people that walk all around us. I'm sorry, Cohen, Andrew. You you live in a day, not that it hasn't happened in my day, but you live in a day when there's not much modesty. What do you do? Turn your eyes away. Turn your eyes away from beholding such things. And it's not just in the grocery store or, you know, when we're out on vacation. It's on the television. You know, it's in magazines. Uh, Again, let me couple, you know, that with turning your eyes away with what can happen and how it can snowball and where sin will take you that you do not want to go. Uh, Be careful. So David arises from his bed, walks upon the roof of his house, and from that roof he sees a young woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, or about the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam? And here's the the next warning that's given. The wife of Uriah. That should have been it right there. Again, he should have turned his eyes away. But here again, we should turn our eyes away. Here again, he should have left that situation, you know, alone at that point. But it says that David sent messengers and took her and she came in unto him and he lay with her for she was purified from her uncleanness and returned unto her own house. Now, it takes two to tango, right? It wasn't just David. Bathsheba had fault to bear in this matter. It wasn't David alone. Um, but we, we have some space and time that would have happened here. We don't see that there was any other interaction, you know, between them that we know of at that point. But here's the next news that we received. The woman conceived. And she sent and told David and said, I'm with child. So what's David's response? Be sure sin, your sin will find you out, right? But David's seeking to cover this up. We seek to cover our sin up. We think that we can cover it. I'm trying to remember the exact way that Brother Pounds used to quote it, but um, it had to do with, with um, you know, you, you ever tried to get under a blanket that was too small? Hmm? It wasn't long enough for you. It wasn't wide enough for you, but you're still trying to get underneath it, trying to, you know, cover up because you were cold. You know, maybe it's just the ceiling fan in the, in the living room, or maybe, you know, you're sitting on the bleachers of the football game. I don't know, but it just doesn't work. It's not big enough. Um, and here David's seeking to cover up, you know, his, his sin. And so he sends to Joab in verse number six and says, Send Uriah the Hittite to me. And Joab sent Uriah to David. Joab doesn't know anything. He doesn't suspect anything. You know, 
Um, he's just doing the thing that the king's asking him to do. And so Uriah comes on him. Uriah doesn't expect anything. Uriah was um, come unto David, and David asked of him or demanded of him how Joab did, how the people did, how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, he was given the information, of course, go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah, again thwarted, right? Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his own house to Bathsheba. And when they came and told David, saying, Uriah went not down to his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? I mean, he almost reprimands Uriah. I mean, who's the one that needs to be reprimanded here? But it seems to be that he's reprimanding Uriah for not doing the thing that he wanted Uriah to do. When then didst thou not go down unto thine house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine own house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest, and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. And David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him and made him drunk. Can you, can you see the series of events and this one thing that led to another thing that led to another thing that led to another thing and where does it end? And at even Uriah went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord but did not or went not to his own house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter unto Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that valiant men were. So if we're going to take that part of the city, it's going to take these men to do it. So there's valiant men that are there fighting the hottest battle it seems verse 17 says and the men of the city went out and fought with Joab and there fell some of the people of the servants of David and Uriah the Hittite died also then Joab sent and told David all things concerning the war and charged the messenger here's Joab's concern he's going to blame me that these men died So Joab sent unto David concerning the war and charged the messenger, saying, When thou hast made an end of telling all the matters of the war unto the king, and if it be so that the wrath of the, or the king's wrath arise, and he say unto thee, Wherefore approached ye so nigh unto the city when you did fight? Knew you not that they would shoot from the wall? Who smote Elimelech, the son of Jebrebersheth? Did not a woman cast a piece of millstone upon him from the wall that he died in Thebes? Why went you so nigh the wall? Then say thou 
Thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Joab knew it would be the end of the matter right there, right? So the messenger went and came unto David and showed him these things that Joab had said. And the messenger said unto David, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out unto us into the field when we were upon them even unto the entering of the gate. And the shooter shot from the wall upon thy servants and some of the king's servants be dead. He didn't even wait for David to get upset. He just goes ahead and throws in there what Joab had told him. He says, And thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. And notice David's response. So what's, what's David's end game been here? He's trying to cover up his sin, isn't he? And so how does he respond to these valiant men dying? How does he respond to Uriah, you know, dying? You know, he, he's been thwarted. God's thwarted his purposes up to this point. Uh, Uriah would not go home. Um, you know, even after he was drunk, he would not go home. So then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, let not this thing displease thee. For the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city and overthrow it and encourage thou him. He got what he wanted. As far as he was concerned, that was the end of the matter. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing, I mean, here's, you know, Brother JT was talking about that inverse in Revelation. Here's, here's the inverse here in this chapter. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. There's consequences, aren't there? You know, that was mentioned this morning already. But can you, can you see the things that we have mentioned here in Romans 13. Well, what's mentioned there? Well, you're not, you're not supposed to commit adultery. That's how this whole thing got started in David's life here. Thou shalt not kill. You know, it, it led to the murder of Uriah. Thou shalt not steal. He stole. When you get to Nathan's part in the next chapter, and he tells the story about the rich man with all these sheep and the poor man that just had one, and the rich man took the one man's sheep away. And David's, that's not right. Shouldn't have stole that man's sheep. David did that very thing. Bear false witness. As far as Joab was concerned, Uriah must have done something bad to deserve the king's wrath that he would be put in the hottest part of the battle and withdrawn from that he might die. How about the next one? Covetousness. David coveted another man's wife so in the space of one chapter we have all these things mentioned by Paul in Romans 13 that happened unto David you know right there a good thing for us to say any of us like we said there was fault you know with Bathsheba and David both they were complicit you know in this matter um, 1 Corinthians ten twelve says wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall could it happen to any one of us? You know, it could happen to any one of us. This exact set of circumstances, maybe not. Um, but, but I've been, I've told you before, that I have been in situations where I've seen people do things, and I've said, I'll never do that. I made an absolute statement. 
And it didn't happen exactly the same way, but when the thing that happened to me happened, the Lord pointed right back to that situation that happened 10 years ago. And I hadn't thought about, you know, since then. So could it happen to us? Yes, it could happen to us. Can we say that we're not capable? No, we cannot say that we're not capable. This, this, is, this is a man after God's own heart, right? Uh, this is the thing that we have said about him. I mean, here's a mirror that we can set up before us and we can say, that could be me. I could be looking at myself in the mirror just like David was and having had done the things that he's done here. So what can we say but watch and pray that you enter not into temptation? Uh, We could find ourselves here. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Let me just say, we must be diligent because I guarantee you the devil is. The devil's diligent. He's roaming about. He's seeking whom he may devour. We have got to be on guard. We have got to be watching. We have got to be praying. If we don't do those things, then we're like David in the beginning of the chapter. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. Where should we be? You know, we should be on our knees. That's where we should be. Um, you know, we need to be in prayer. We need to be in the Word. We, 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 need to, we need to be gathered together, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. We need to be doing the things that we know that we are to do in Scripture. The, these, these things are guards. We need to put on the whole armor of God. We need to put off some things and put on some other things. Um, like we mentioned in, in, in Colossians, like I had uh, uh, made reference to earlier this morning. <clears throat> we need to redeem the time. David wasn't redeeming the time. He was laying in his bed at eventide. We need to redeem the time because the days are evil. There's evil all around us. Redeem the time because the days are evil. We need to, we need to make a covenant with our eyes not to look upon such things that we ought not to look upon, but to ask the Lord to enable us and strengthen us to turn away from those things. David saw Bathsheba. As a married man, Job makes this resolution. In Job 31.1, he says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? Have we made a covenant with our eyes? Made a covenant with our ears? Made a covenant with our mouth? Made a covenant with all of our senses, with all those gates that Bunyan puts there at the city of Mansoul in, in that book, A Holy War? The eye gate, the ear gate, the mouth gate, the nose gate, the feel gate. We must guard the gates, guard the gates, lest we enter into temptation. We need to ask the Lord, deliver us from evil. Exodus 20, verse 17 says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. I'm not loving my neighbor if I covet those things. If I covet those things, what could it lead to? What could be the result? What could come out of it? I need to preach to myself, don't I? If I start looking at Brother JT's truck out there and say, oh, that's a nice truck. I'd like to have a truck like that. I need to preach to myself. Lord, I know you're going to supply whatever I need. If I needed to have you know, something like that, then I know that, that you'll supply it, you know. 
Why should I, why should I think myself unhappy or think myself without being able to be capable of having joy because I don't have a certain thing? If my oldest daughter was here, you know, I, I know her heart. I know she would like to be married. Be content with what you have. And I know that's easy for me to say because, you know, met Teresa in high school and, and once she graduated, I was a couple years ahead of her. Once she graduated, we got married. She was 18, Brother JT, same age you were when you got married. I was 20 and I, I can't think of my life being any different with her not being, you know, in it. God, God gave that to me. He, he laid upon my heart when I was a freshman in high school to begin praying for a wife. That's not normal, you know, to be a freshman in high school and begin praying for a wife, you know, but that's the thing the Lord impressed upon me. Um, and so I began praying for one. She didn't know she was going to end up being the wife of a, of a, of a preacher, you know, that was furthest thing from her, you know, mind, I'm sure. Um, I didn't think that I would be that either. I told you before, I was the kid that sat out there in the congregation that said, Lord, I don't ever want to do that. I don't want to ever have to preach. I don't want to ever have to stand up there and have that responsibility. Um, but the Lord knows better than we do, doesn't he? And maybe I, I, I you know, not maybe, I could have been. I, mean, I think about Brother Dean, he's not here with us anymore, but he lived his entire life, never married. I don't, I, I remember there was a lady that came with him a few times and his sister didn't like her or something. I don't remember what exactly it was. But um, that was kind of the end, you know, of that. But born in that house there in Groveton, died on the road or driveway, you know, right there to it. I guess it was the dirt road out in front of it. Um, but lived there all of his life, never married. Was, was faithful, you know, to the church. Was a blessing, you know, to the church. Very quiet, you know, man. Very reserved man. But when there was something that needed to be said, he'd say it, you know. And when, when the Lord took him, he left a hole. <laughs> he did. Um, but I could have been, Brother Dean, I could have been without being married. Well, we need to be content. I mean, how many wives did David have at this point? I think it was five. I think he had five wives already. Um, be content with such things as you have. I'm, I'm content. I, I want to be content with just having one wife. She knew I was about to say it. She's already smiling before it came out of my mouth. <laughs> She's like, you better be content with this one. <laughs> um, but David coveted, he stole, he bore false witness, he committed murder and adultery. Uh, James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. So there was David in his eyes, and he was beholding Bathsheba, and he was drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. So, like we said so many times before, the sin is not in the temptation. Temptation's going to come. Don't yield to it. We sing that in hymn, don't we? Yield not to temptation. For yielding is, there's some good teaching there. Yielding sin. For yielding is sin. The sin's not in the temptation. 
Temptations will come. The sin's in yielding unto it. So it says here that every man is tempted. Every man's tempted. That doesn't mean just men. That means man. That means woman, right? Um, we, we used to not have to say that, but it has to be said today, doesn't it? Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, boy, did it bring about some terrible consequences here in this story of David. It bringeth forth death. Sin is deceitful. Sin is very deceitful. I mean, it has to be, doesn't it, for us to yield to temptation? How deceitful is it? We know that it's wrong. Um, and, and, and there are these roadblocks that were put up in David's you know, path, and yet he jumps and hurdles you know, over them, and we do the same thing. Um, it's a tangled web. Webs are sticky, aren't they? Webs are sticky, and they're strong. Webs are strong. Um, and apart from, apart from God's grace, when I mean, you think about, I, I, I wish we had time. Go, if you have time, you think about it. The Lord brings it to your remembrance. Go and read Psalm 51. Go and read Psalm 51 and see. You know, look at it, the, the, the spiritual life just drained out of this person, you know, because of what's happened. Um, it doesn't get easier. David's 50 years old or so here. You know, this isn't a 20-year-old man, not that it should happen with a 20-year-old man either. Then we make any kind of excuses, but he's, he's an older man here. It doesn't get any easier. We're going to have to be vigilant all of our days. Are you still having to be vigilant, Brother JT? Sure. Yeah. To the, to the end, vigilant. To the end, you're going to bear your sword. To the end, you're going to bear that shield. To the end, you're going to have that helmet of salvation. You're going to breastplate of righteousness the shield of faith you know your, your feet shod with the the preparation of the gospel of peace your your loins girt about you know with with the truth it, it's it's going to be a reality all of our days david had wives yet he stole another man's wife it doesn't the whole illustration that nathan uses you know sheds more light you know on that it's not just a good illustration that david uses i mean that nathan uses about david it's it's an illustration of david's life he had other wives and he took this man's wife, you know. A man who was fighting for him, a man who was loyal. Um, uh, we, we, we see that in his character, um, you know, and he steals this man's wife. And others were watching. I mean, he, we, we've talked about it from the standpoint of David. We talked about it from the standpoint of Bathsheba and, and Uriah. But, I mean, here's Joab and all of Israel that's watching I mean, this David's trying to keep this thing under wraps and under cover, but it's like that blanket that's just too small. It just won't, it won't fit over everything. You may be able to cover this little thing over here for a little while, and then this, this breaks out over here, so you're going to try to cover it up. That was it. I was trying to think of, yes. Yeah. Uh, was it too short and too narrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of taking, well, let me go back to others watching. David's sons at this point are old enough. They know what's happening. They're old enough. They see what's happening. They're old enough that they, 
they look at their father and they say, well, if he can do that, if that's what this position gets, if that's what you can do with that kind of power, you know, there's temptation, you know, there that's, that's flooding into their own uh, minds. Instead of taking advantage of his position and working good, he's working ill towards his neighbor. So beware of the beginnings of sin because you do not know where that sin will take you. You do not know where you may end up. I was trying to see if I put a quote. Anybody familiar with the name Robbie Zacharias? Do you know the name? No. A Christian apologist. Um, spoke on a lot of college campuses, a lot of debates. Um, a lot of good things uh, that, that he had to say. And I don't, I don't think I put it in here. I don't know if I, can, if I can remember it in its entirety. But it has to do with something along these lines. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you there longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you a lot more than you're willing to pay. And that being said, it happened to that very man who said those words. Um, there was sexual immorality, you know, and his own ministry ruined the ministry, really. Um, so it will take you further than you want to go. So beware of the beginnings of sin. Be fearful of how far it could take you. Again, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can you imagine after all of this, David sitting there seeking to justify how sin is deceitful, isn't it? I mean, to commit murder and adultery and covetousness and, 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 and all the things that we, that we have mentioned here and more um, and still try to justify that in your mind and still not be broken and sorrowful and grieving and repentant until God sends Nathan in the next chapter. That's another chapter you can go and read. Um, sin is deceitful. We've all sinned. We know the effects of sin. It's not something foreign to us. We understand how sin works. In the end, though it promises much, in the end there's always pain. There's always remorse. There's always regret. Why did I say that? You know, Lord, I shouldn't have even thought that. Um, why did I say those things to that person? You know, why did I do that? You know, uh, again, it's, it's, it, it it's always ends in pain and remorse for the believer. But there's hope, isn't there? There's hope in David's circumstances, wasn't there? 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's not license. That's not liberty to go and sin. 
God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Romans 6.12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield... Here's, can you imagine the hymn writer might have been looking at this passage of Scripture? <laughs> Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Don't give in to those things. Give in to love towards your neighbor. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. And then Colossians already mentioned, goes into saying, mortify, you know, therefore your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, lie not to one another, Put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man. The new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Then he goes on to verse number 12 saying, Put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you are also called in one body, and be ye thankful. So, there was sin, but there was also repentance, and there was also restoration as a result and that's, you know, Galatians 6, right? 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. If we're going to talk about love. We can't not talk about this, right? If any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. I like the next part because we've been talking about it. Considering thyself. That could be you. Lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So there are many things for us to admire in David's life, aren't there? Well, here's a warning for us out of David's life. Um, since promises weave a stronger and stronger fabric of lies that become harder and harder to discern, David got into the midst of that and it, his discernment just vanished, it seemed. So David and Bathsheba's story is a sobering reminder of the consequence of sin. But it's also a glorious example of God's grace and forgiveness when sinners repent. All manner of sins shall be forgiven, right? So, isn't it amazing though, in the space of one chapter, all of those things happen. Like I said, David didn't get up that morning thinking that any of those things would take place. Yield not to temptation. We need to be asking, do you think you're strong enough? You know, you think it's just a little sin, I can, I can handle it? <laughs> I mean, how little was the sin of David just looking? Maybe he thought I can handle that. But then he got to thinking about it more and more. I need to inquire after this person. Maybe I can make her one of my wives. 
Then he finds out she's the wife of another. But still, you know, discernment just went out the window. Um, for them both, really. For them both. What, what grace that he was recovered. You, know, you, you hear him there in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy. And what comes next? Of thy salvation, right? It's not my salvation, it's of thy salvation. I think there's a point to be made there in that. Uh, David had lost much, hadn't he? He'd lost, it cost him, certainly. cost him much. Lord, help us. Keep us. Because it could happen to any of us. Um, and there's an example for us of love working ill, right? I mean, do we even need to make that point? Love working ill towards um, his neighbor. Well, any other thoughts on those things, brother? You don't think that she was? Well, no, because yeah. it says David sent messengers and took her. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about that she purified herself right. before she could even go home. But the nature of the Jews to David is terrible. He lived in like torment and everything. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're not really told that argument. Certainly, could be made there, you know, for it. Um, you know, at at the same time, you know, it seems like if she wasn't com somewhat complicit, that there would have been something there, you know, that would have said this is wrong, you know. So we we don't really yeah know that part, but. But uh, certainly from David's perspective, you know, we can use it as an example of what can happen, um, you know, unto any of us. Um, if, we, if we think that we can handle this little bitty thing, you know, it, it can just grow and grow and grow. We, we don't live in an area, you know, we use that word something snowballing. We don't live in an area like that, but, but I've, I've seen people take and they pack a little snowball and they roll it around we don't get much of that here, and the snow sticks to it, and they make this great big ball. Um, and, you know, that, that can happen. So we've got, to be, we've got to be on guard. We've got to be vigilant. We've got to be watching and praying that we, we not find ourselves, you know, in such a place. Because this is extreme, I know. I've, I've given an extreme example. But it could be so much smaller in scale, couldn't it, that we do not show the love that we ought to show unto those around us. Um, and it's still sin in the sight of God, and it still can lead to something much greater um, than that. So, um, you know, there's a, there's an old uh, quote that I used to I used to quote a lot, but it's it's this that we need to nip sin in the bud. Have you ever heard that before? Of lust, nip sin in the bud of lust. The opposite of that is to is to lay down the reins on the neck of lust and just let it go wherever, you know, it's going to go. Um, you know, I, on, on a positive note on that, on that side of laying down the reins, I know my dad would tell me when it was dark and they were out back when the cows could free range, they would lay the reins down. The horse knew. They didn't know where they were at, you know, really. But the horse knew, 
uh, and lust knows exactly where it wants to go. If you're going to lay down the reins, you know, on the neck of lust, you know, it's going to go. You know where it's going to go, you know, uh, and you, that's not a place that you want to go. Uh, Lord, keep us, you know, from, from ever, you know, being guilty, you know, of such. But we are guilty of other things, aren't we? Um, uh, you know, we don't want to dishonor you know, the name of the Lord. You know, we, don't, we want to be an example to those around us. We want to be an example to those in our own household. I mean, we look at David's household. I mean, we see some of the ramifications of that, don't we? You know, we see how the, that one of David's sons you know, raped his sister. You know, so we see some of that. Um, so, Lord, keep us. Uh, if, if David could fall, we could fall. So, Lord, help us from, from finding ourselves in a place like that. Lord, help us to watch and pray. Lord, help us to be vigilant. Uh, Lord, help us to resist and yield not to temptation. Uh, don't, don't listen to the devil when he says, uh, you could, it'll be okay. You do this, you know, you'll be forgiven. Uh, that's not a healthy place to be at all. Um, we, need to be, we need to be more along the lines, you know, I... I, I um, I know Cohen's not of this of this mindset, but you know Andrew, when he was growing up, you know the the soldiers and the knights and all that kind of stuff. I bought him a hat yesterday that had had this kind of a Spartan sort of a uh, you know a helmet you know on it, and uh, you know that's something that's neat you know to him. But you think about a soldier, and you think about if he's on he's on he's on watch, you know his the the camp's asleep, his job is to keep that gate. If he doesn't keep that gate and he doesn't give sufficient warning, he doesn't sound the alarm, then many may die. Um, so, you know, you, we have that imagery, you know, that Paul uses of the Roman centurion, and he's wearing all this, you know, this helmet. You know, we've, we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be on watch. We've got to be on guard. Because sin is vigilant. That Satan is diligent. He is seeking whom he may devour. It may seem like a little thing, but little things can become great big things. You know, did you have something you were going to say, brother? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and brother, I'm not disagreeing with you. You know, we don't know. We're not given those those details, but there a case could be made for that. I didn't want I didn't want you to feel like I was Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So ladies, be modest. <laughs> kind of goes without saying, right? Um, but um you know, that's there she was on the rooftop. Um, I, we don't know those circumstances either. You know what that You're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, he ran right out of his garments. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, it is possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, there was, and there's something to be said for that, isn't there? I mean, you think about people that are in a position of authority and how they can bring so much to bear upon the people that they're responsible for. You think of David, Joab, Uriah, you know, uh, that situation you're mentioning, you know, with with Joseph. Um, If we're ever put into a position of authority, which I know that you are in a management, you know, sort of level position, I mean, how careful we've got to be with our interactions, you know, with with people um, that we show the sort of love that we're we're called to show here um, and not take advantage of our position, which it doesn't have to be, you know, that I could take advantage, you know, like you were saying earlier, Donnie, you know, being a husband, I could take advantage of that situation. Being a father, I could take advantage of that situation. Being a pastor, I could take advantage of that situation. Um, you know, so we, we don't want to do that. Um, and that certainly could have been the case, you know, um, with David's. I mean, just, just with, with, with David sending for her, I mean, if the king sends for you, you know, to your point, then are you not going to go? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 right, go with me, yeah, <laughs> you may not be able to do that, the king didn't send for you, you only sent for one, yeah, so, amen, well, may the Lord use this um, instructively in, in, in our eyes, as uh, in our lives, you know, as a, a warning um, against what can happen, you know, with with uh, even what we may we may judge, we may deem to be a small thing. Um, help us to make a covenant, like in this situation, you know, with our eyes, um, that we would turn away, that such wouldn't have a chance to gain any traction or any foothold. So. All right, well, let's, let's stand and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. I've kept you longer probably than you wanted to stay in that seat. You're probably tired of sitting there by now. I don't know what time we started. Yes. Treating her, right? No treatment, just diagnosing. Yeah. Trying to come to conclusions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that look. Mm-hmm. She's been a help to me. And that's unlike some people that I've known that have known the things that she knows. She realizes that there's a point in which, okay, you're going to have more help than, than this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's for all of us. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's in his control. Yeah. Mm-mm. We were talking about that this morning. Yeah. I- even in regards to her specifically earlier this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Good. Okay. Yep. Any others? If we go to this Bible conference, pray for us. We've never been to it before. It's something that when Rebecca moved to Midland, we, I, I guess mostly, you know, was in, intent on finding her somewhere to worship um, and had conversations by phone with the pastor there before she ever got there um, and um, uh, felt like that it was a good place for her to be and so they're having this conference, and it's going to be in New Braunfels, I think about Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I think is what it is, um, in August, the first part of August. Um, so we've never been to it before, uh, but they've, the pastor asked us to come, so you know, we're, we're going to go, uh, unless the Lord you know, chooses otherwise, but uh, uh, pray for us. Um, we want to be a blessing you know, to, to that body, if we, if we can be. Um, so... Remember us in that regard. Yeah, Rebecca will get in the car and drive this way back for the first time. Uh, she's flown every other time, you know, but she gets to drive the eight hours that we drove when <laughs> we took her up there. Uh, so, yeah, and 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 as the Lord brings that to your mind, we we are praying the Lord would send her back this way when she finishes her contract, you know, up there. She certainly complains enough about the things that happen. I'm sure there's not a perfect hospital anywhere, um, but she complains about things that happen there um, and how they're understaffed, overworked, mistakes could be made, you know, and lives could be, you know, lost as a result. So, um, but um, I think she finishes in February? That doesn't mean anything. We can buy that out (laughs) to get her back. Yeah, so she'll be looking for a position, as what she was telling us down this way. But she has no idea, you know, where the Lord might send her. She's contemplating being a travel nurse, which Dad doesn't like, but that doesn't matter if that's what the Lord wants her to do, you know, um, or finding a position maybe around the Woodlands uh, area. Um, hopefully not Houston, but if that's where she needs to be, um, you know, then so be it. So. But be in prayer for her. She seeks, you know, she, 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 she sought the Lord about what he would have her to do. He laid upon her heart to become a nurse. She went through lots of school days and study to get there. And uh, 
So she just wants to know now where the Lord would have her to be um, after she finishes her contract there. It could be that he keeps her there. I don't know. I, you know, my hope is she'd come back down this way, but we'll see. That's just a dad. Yeah. And a mom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Something. Yeah, something. Um, well, you know, her, her mindset, she's got to be in the thick of it. It's it's emergency room or it's ICU, so we'll see. We don't, I don't know where that'll be. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they do. They have those those same problems. Those same problems exist here. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right, right. All right. Well, let's let's uh, go once again to the Lord in prayer. Return thanks for the the meal that the Lord's graciously. Uh, like we said before, can you imagine all that goes into, I mean, JT's just got his field, and all the fields that there are, all across this world that God causes to grow, to put the sort of, I was complaining about only one bag of Fritos, but think about, you know, all the vegetables and things that there are, and the meat that there is in the grocery store, and God so blesses us, um, and grants those things in this Food that we have back. Don't take that. We don't take it for granted. God, God's given that to us. Yeah, pray for rain. I did, and and we got some this week out here. I don't. Were you not praying? <laughs> Why be selfish? Yeah. <laughs> Just in the end, just yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, right. Well, we, well, we, and we understand. I mean, we, um, if y'all really want it to rain, I'll invite Brother Johnny to come preach. He, every time he comes, it rains. <laughs> well, let's pray, Brother Donnie. Would you pray for us?